Welcome to Off the Looking Glass. I'm Kate Fagan. I'm Jessica Smetana. Jess. So Kate. we have we have some news to share right at the top of the show. Some pretty bad news, I think, if yeah. you're a listener of the show. <laughs> Just let's rip the bandit off, Kate. Yeah. This is our final episode of Off the Looking Glass in this form of the show. It is. It is. We have put out in this last stretch since we went every week into infinity. I think this is maybe the 27th or 28th episode of the show. And then we had two full seasons before that. So we've been making the show for for two years. And it is a sad day to be sharing with y'all that this is the last episode of Off the Looking Glass as it currently exists. And there's a number of reasons for that. One of them is not people listening to the show, Jess, because, I mean, we, we've had over a million downloads. But the podcast world is changing, and the streaming world is changing, and how people are consuming all of their content has become very different in the last few years, and especially here at Metal Arc. And with DraftKings, like, there's work on a fast channel and a lot of podcasts that are moving to video adaptations and going two to three times a week and off the looking glass just isn't suited to that as you can imagine for our listeners a lot of things we do be very tough to translate that into a video format so this is our last episode and we decided to put together some of our favorite memories (laughs) and moments from making the show and then at the end kate and i will talk about our favorite memories and moments making the show for the last Kate, over two years. Yes. Because we first sat down to talk about Off the Looking Glass in like March 2021. Wow. Yeah. Fresh out of the Javits Center vaccine line. Yeah. It was, it was a different world <laughs> back then. It was a then. different world. And it, I mean, back then, I think back then the March Madness had just been canceled, which I'm saying because this- We couldn't even call it March Madness no, for the women yet. we couldn't. It was a completely different time. Yeah, it was a women's was no basketball tournament. <laughs> And the U.S. Women's National Team were champions of the world. It's true. And I guess there was no one shining moment for women, but I'm going to make that reference here because that's slightly what we've done in this episode is, is pull f- from some of the greatest moments of, off the, of two plus years of Off the Looking Glass set to a, a beautiful swan song <laughs> soundtrack. Something yeah, like that. Let's pretend we bought the rights for that and put it in the background and just so you could barely hear it. Yep. All right. We are going to play some of our highlights and, um, and then we'll be back with you on the back end. Hey, y'all. It's Kate here. And I wanted to provide a roadmap for this episode and just jump in here and explain each guest before we get to it. And this first one is an interview with Gina Davis, star of A League of Their Own, when we were trying to drill down and answer the question, did Dottie drop the ball on purpose? Hello, hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you feeling? I'm I'm good, thank you. I suppose we should dive right in to the question I'm sure that you have gotten many times, but we're going to press you on. When you went into the penultimate scene as Dottie, what was your internal motivation of that scene where Kit hits the high fastball 
deep and then rounds third base. What was that character thinking in that moment? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm diving right in. <laughs> you're diving right in. Yeah. So you mean whether I dropped the ball on purpose or not? Is that what you're... Yes. That is the question that we have been searching for an answer for for months, Gina. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, nobody knows. I figure like I'm the only one who knows, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell because I think it's so fun that people don't know and they get to talk about it forever. It's I mean, it's a big topic online and stuff. So I've never said, you know, Penny, we didn't discuss it. She didn't share her views on it with me. So I feel like I'm probably the only person who actually knows. Now, Lori Petty, who I love, is convinced that obviously that I did not drop it on purpose, that she, it was her superior skills. So, you know, that's her opinion, but, but anyway, yeah. Was it understood among the cast and in that moment that there would be a controversy about Dottie's motivations at the plate? Oh yeah. I mean, I think that was sort of built into the script that it would be a question. It would be a question for people whether that happened on purpose or not. I mean, the, the movie doesn't, indicate one way or the other, really, right? I mean, it doesn't tip off which one you should think it is. So, which is kind of genius, I thought. But um, we just didn't ever talk about what it meant or what the true answer was. <laughs> I have to admit, I saw the film for the first time a couple months ago. I had never seen it before. So I really wasn't familiar with the entire argument of or discussion, I should say, between whether or not she dropped the ball on purpose. But the first time I saw it, I noticed that in the scene after the final play at home plate, your character is wearing the colors like she's wearing the same colors as Kit's team, the Racine team's colors when she comes out of the locker room to talk to her her younger sister. And I thought that that was an interesting choice by whoever was in charge of wardrobe. I wondered if it was a nod to her being, you know, kind of on the other team's side in that final <laughs> play and letting her sister win. Oh, my God. I never... Nobody's ever said that before. I've, I've, it's, this is me hearing about this. Yeah, I've never heard about it. Wow. It's kind of a yellow blouse on or something. Yeah, yeah. It's a yellow blouse and kind of like a tan skirt. And that was the colors. You know, like your team wore more of like the pink peachy colors. Right. And the other team wore more of like the yellow beige colors. And I thought that that was interesting. And I noticed Easter it the egg. first time I watched it. Yeah. Ah, wow. I wish Penny was around to ask her about that. If that was... That's really weird. That's going to remain a mystery, I suppose. <laughs> okay, so you won't tell us yet about what the character <laughs> motivations were. We still have time. We still have time. But I'm wondering if you could tell us about no crying in baseball. There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. That iconic line from the film and whether or not you knew that that would become such an iconic line when you were filming the movie and when you read it in the script for the first time. It was very funny, particularly when the way uh, Tom acted it. Because there's no crying in baseball. You know, no it was, it was just a really funny scene. No crying! But no, I had no idea that it was going to last the way it does. I had another line that went classic, which maybe people don't remember, that in the fly I say, be afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Be very afraid. That's kind of a, a line that people, you know, this lived on. <laughs> Did you make a decision when you first read the script about what Dottie's decision would be in that moment at home plate? 
What was your process in deciding at least what you thought her character's motivation was in that moment? I didn't No, I didn't think about it when I first read it. I mean, it, it wasn't something that I that I immediately thought, oh, well, this is like a big, you know, it didn't strike me as important as it has become in people's minds. You know, it's like really like the key question, as obviously you have determined it to be. <laughs> This next one is South Carolina women's basketball coach Dawn Staley. I don't even need to tee it up any more than that because it's it's Dawn Staley. All right, take a listen. It seems now, like, as someone who watched you on, like, the 96 Olympic team and, and read, like, Venus to the Hoop, the book about that, and then, see, you know, then Temple, and now USC, it seems, like, inevitable that you would now – be in this moment where the way it looks is like you are representative of like the culture of women's basketball. And one lane of that over the last year or two has been the fashion of women's basketball that we've seen on every different level, like from the walk-ins in the W where you're seeing all the players. And that was not something that was being seen one for social and two for other reasons in terms of exposure back when you were playing, right? That wasn't like part of the thing. So can you take us on like the fashion journey and what your perspective is on like the choices you make and why? Here, here's what happened. The pandemic happened and we played through a season where you could basically dress down. Uh, a lot of coaches went to half zips and, you know, school issue gear. And I thought it was a great opportunity for me to just kind of just be comfortable, like sneakers Boots, like low heel boots, you know, more like athleisure wear, urban wear, culture wear. And I find it just really comfortable. And then I got to the point where I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I can get this hoodie. I can, hey, I can wear a pair of jeans and dress some jeans up and still look professional and respectable. I'm never going back to heels. Like, I don't even think my ankles, you know, can can handle it. All my knees can handle it. So I just think it's, it's just moved towards just being more comfortable. And I mean, I'm much more comfortable in what I'm wearing nowadays than I was four, five, six, seven years ago. I look nice, but it wasn't very comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I'm more comfortable. I'm more cheek. I'm more like cute. And I'm, I'm more me. Yeah. Wait, so do you have any Air Zoom S5s? You got some boxes of those still? You know what? I got I got some of my old Olympic stuff all in one couple of bags. Okay. And then Nike gave me a shadow box that has a pair of them in there. Like I can't reach in there and get them. It's, <laughs> it's superimposed in the box. And then somebody, one of our fans sent me a pair that they found in like a, a discount sneaker store. So I only have like, I don't have very many. I'm trying to get Nike to retro them. That's what I'm saying. I, let's start idea. that. Let's do that. I have the best looking, nothing against Cheryl or Lisa or anybody <laughs> else, but I got the best, the coolest signature shoe out there. All right. We need a retro release on the on the sneaker app. I mean, that drop would be good. I, I'm trying to get them to anybody that I talk to at Nike that I think have a little bit of pull. I try to get them to retro it. And I, now you do have somewhat of a conflict because I'm, we're at an Under Armour school oh, oh, okay. and Under okay. Armour really treat our, our our kids really, you know, our team like first class program. And I don't want them to 
think I'm trying to, mm. you know, create some conflict, mm. you know, but I did have a life prior to being the coach <laughs> that, right. that has a signature shoe in and, and everybody's <laughs> retroing everything. They need to bring it back. Yep. <laughs> I like that idea. I feel like we could get that movement started on this podcast, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> We're on it. Don, if you didn't end up as a, as a coach, which at one point seemed kind of likely in 2000, what would you be doing? Like, I, I don't know. Like, seriously, <laughs> I don't know what I would be doing. Like, I'm super competitive, so I'll probably be a gambler. like a <laughs> Professional gambler. Professional <laughs> gambler. Work at a sports book, maybe. <laughs> right? I, no, I, I would probably be working with kids so, in some capacity. Okay. In some capacity. I, I don't know if it's, you know, an after-school thing. I don't know if it's doing clinics for mm-hmm. kids like one of my former teammates at uh virginia she actually bought it's called the, the point guard camp and she's been running it for decades now so it's probably something like that where i'm helping to grow the game getting young people to come and and learn how to perfect some things about the position of being a point guard if there was any player outside of any of your own players who you could give a signature shoe to right now who would it be Outside of my players, mm-hmm. a signature shoe. Ooh. An athlete or anybody? Well, now that you've opened this up. <laughs> I'll name two. I'll okay, name a cool. female. I mean, I, I got to go with Jackie Joyner Curse. Ooh. Okay. Jackie. And then non athlete. I got to go with somebody with a lot of followers. They <laughs> you want to sell the shoe. Thing. Right? I'm probably going to go with, I got two. Billie Jean King, mm. and then Michelle Obama. Oh, oh you want to sell some inventory with Michelle Obama. That, those would go. <laughs> Let me get some of those Obamas. <laughs> That's right. That's that right. would be the biggest L in sneakers history for everyone trying right? to get that shoe. <laughs> You're a proud parent. Your child is an exceptional athlete with a promising career ahead. You've worked so hard to get your kid to this level, and their talents are completely out of your hands. But now, you've become totally unrelatable to your friends and close neighbors. You recite their stats to any poor somebody that will listen. You've been kicked out of book clubs, avoided at hardware stores, and no one invites you to parties anymore. Sounds like you need the Bragg Hotline. The Bragg Hotline is a toll-free number that you can call anytime, day or night, and just let it all out. Our professional listeners are standing by and ready to pretend they're excited to hear about exactly how many rebounds your daughter grabbed in the second half of Saturday's game. Yeah, this was Kara's first game back after ACL surgery, you know, uh-huh. where she scored four, four goals, assisted two, had, I think it was a pass rate of like 91. 90.1%. Oh, wow. Sure. Yeah. And signed the game ball and gave it to the little girl in the stands who was raising awareness for uh, endangered meerkats. Amazing. <laughs> she was playing field hockey the other day. Okay. And the coach said, Kara, Kara, come here. I could hear it because I was close. Sure. Yeah. And the coach was saying, you got to take it easy out there. And I stood up really? and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Kara is going to score if she needs to. Right. And we don't believe in pulling back the reins until the game is over. I've told Kara that. It's on on the garage wall. 
And okay. I said, Coach, let her go out there. It's field hockey. She needs right. to clack sticks and get to. more points. Right. And so she did. Amazing. Bragg Hotline doesn't have a time limit. So go on, Mom. Exhaust our operators with your endless list of proud moments. Derek wasn't expected to be a playmaker this season, but mm-hmm. turns out he is. Mm-hmm. He really is. Okay, that's cool. It really puts him in a great position for next year, you know. Sure, Coach yeah. said scouts are already calling from so many prestigious schools. Absolutely. Academically and sportly. Uh-huh. One of them has even offered him a Tesla. Wow. They're electric, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Them well. I mean, we kind of knew he was going places from the start. Would you like to hear some of his stats from Pee Wee Leagues? Man. I am financially obligated to say yes. So save your friends and neighbors the stat onslaught and call the Bragg hotline. You'll feel better for getting it off your chest and your community will stop ducking behind newspapers and small shrubs to avoid your small talk. Congrats again, by the way. You must be very proud. Okay, this next clip is from when we interviewed all at the same time, Megan Rapino, Sue Bird, Ashlyn Harris, Allie Krieger. So we got four of the most famous stars in the world, and we're of course gonna sample from that one. When you look around at your lives now, what athletics has brought you as women compared to what it, you might have thought it could in the late 90s, early 2000s. Again, an assumption I'm making that it has to be bigger than you might have imagined, some of the moments you've lived in and like and the things you've been able to do. And Sue, this is for you too, because I, I think even compared to when you first started in the W to where the, what the last few years have brought, that it has to be a huge shift. What has it been like over the last couple of years? And Sue, I'll start with you here, like living in kind of a cultural moment where there's a lot coming to female athletes. For me, it's been... Amazing. No, I don't think I ever thought of it, dreamed of it when I was younger. I mean, we've talked about it last time we were on. I feel like I'm of a generation or I am now the only one left in my generation still playing where it's like we were just like happy to be there, kind of taught to just be thankful for what we got, never like push the envelope in any way. So to see to see change happening now, to see growth happening now, to see, you know, the sport get more attention. um, I think it's wonderful. And it's like, it's happening way faster than I thought. I, I've like jokingly in the past said, let's call it like a couple of years ago, I've been like, oh, I hope in 20 years I'm the disgruntled former player that's like, I didn't make a million dollars when I played. And like, it's already happening. You know, like Paige Becker is signing all these endorsement deals that are probably way more than, than current WNBA players. So it's like already happening. So it's pretty cool for me personally to still be playing and also see the change simultaneously, knowing that it's gonna just continue to grow. I mean, you guys have a whole different. Yeah. You know, do you wanna yeah, talk, to... talk about your newfound fame? Yeah. <laughs> I do have newfound fame and I'm still ready. Well, this is my joke after 2019. I'm like, it's fine, you guys have newfound fame. I'll do it. I'll make the reservation, we have newfound fame. Literally going into the like, ashes to stations like this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Yes, uh, and for for listeners, that was that was Megan just showing her pink hair. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she yeah, straight up. Which is why we won't be going on the subway while we're here. Yeah. 
Um, I was like, you have to put a hat on if we're going yeah. to any public transportation. Yeah. You know, honestly, I feel like if we're not of different generations, but I feel like this five-year gap and even just looking at, you know, teammates that were before us, they kind of like left this crack in the door and maybe they weren't able to just swing it wide open, but they were like, you guys should kick this down. And we were like, okay, we'll kick it down. Let's fucking go. So it was like, I felt we felt like, yeah, we felt sort of empowered in this way. And the stage was, you know, set a little bit for us. And obviously, you know, being able to be on the national team and coupling that with success. I think 2015 gave us like a little sort of taste of what things possibly could be, but we weren't quite prepared for it. Um, and some people still weren't prepared for the 2019 for the celebrations. But I feel like, I mean, we always joke about how much fun we had. And obviously, you know, Ashton was like MVP of the celebrations and, yeah. you know, the social media and everything. But it, it really was like, you guys, this is, this is a cultural moment. It is important how we handle ourselves. It is important the things that we say. It is important that we get wild and do whatever we want because you have this really short window where you can do whatever you want. It's like basically one week. And obviously we were, you know, fortunate enough to have a parade and you have, you know, all of these eyes on you. And it's like, you guys, this is the one time you can actually do whatever you want, say whatever you want, drink whatever you want and, you know, whatever, do anything. And like, it's okay because everyone's celebrating it, which brings more people in. Then it's like sports is an entertainment property to me. And I feel like in a lot of ways, of course, we're athletes, but we're entertainers as well. And you have to sell people on the excitement and the fun and what you can get outside of just enjoying the game. And I think it is about bringing people in and showing people what's possible and showing people the fun that you can have and the personalities that you can get attached to. And that kind of, to me, helps sort of build the fandom. It's like, there's going to be a certain segment of people that just love soccer and they're going to come just for the soccer. But for the most part, it's like everyone's coming to be entertained. This is like what, you know, people pay money and they come and want to have a good time. So I feel like our kind of generation was, you know, sort of primed for that. And we're trying to like, usually it does something like this. And it's like, you know, you kind of culminate and then, you know, personalities drop down and whatever. But hopefully the younger kids behind us understand that, that in order to keep building the NWL and keep building the national team like you, you have to take on more than just what's on the field, or at least it's much more impactful when you take the time to have a community focus and you take the time to entertain and have a little fun and, and do things outside of soccer. I feel like that's kind of where we are at in women's sports. The only thing I'll add to that, because I think it's so great and exactly like she is nailing it. And the only thing I would add is I think there's something that especially uh, me, Pino and Ali in terms of like just soccer, I think we got the concept to separate yourself. You had to create a brand like so much of what we do is like the same thing. We're all these players. We mm -hmm. do the same shit over and over and over. But it was like, you get to a point and you're like, okay, well, we're such creative creatures in general. It's like, how do you separate yourself? Right. So whether it's pink hair, whether it's a shaved head, whether it's tattoos, whether it's being very fashion forward and merging the gap, like all of these things, I think We've had these conversations for years and years and years. And after 2015, I think we realized we're probably going to make most of our money outside sports. So we really need to invest in our brand. 
And I think people also show up because they feel a part of what we're doing every day. Like when we're on podcasts, when we're on social media, when we have personality, people actually feel like they know us in a a really strange way Mm -hmm. that they feel a part of the story and a part of like the success and a part of all the things. So I think that is something the three of us got really quickly. And I can't speak for Sue because I'm not around her in basketball all the time. But in terms of the soccer world, I really think at the beginning, we kind of took a lot of heat because soccer is a team sport and like branching out and making yourself seen and like being an individual and like people had a problem with it at the beginning and they felt like it was a selfish thing, but it was really us just being ourselves And I think people started to see that and celebrate it. And I think it really just took off. And wouldn't you say, Pino, in the last like five years? And I think too, just allows us to bring different people in. Maybe people who, you know, aren't hardcore sports fans, but they are really passionate about, you know, equality or gay rights or really passionate about fashion or just kind of want to have fun and think that, you know, we're funny or we make them laugh or they like our personality or, you know, something like that. So I feel like just, not just keeping it to sports, like female athletes have never been able to just, just do that. So it's like, yeah. we might as well be our full selves and try to bring as many people in as possible and try to make the biggest impact that we can. I think like to full circle it back to your initial question, what was special about watching you guys was that to answer the question, like, I don't know if you would have imagined what would have happened in 2019, but you sure shit knew there was a moment and you were not going to miss it. <laughs> Like you guys, you guys like, and that's very rare. It's not, that's not as, it's, it feel, it maybe felt logical or like the easy thing for you guys to do, but not many people, not many like individuals, not many teams would understand that. And I think that is what was very unique mm-hmm. about like what you guys experienced. We were telling people too, we're like, get your sunglasses. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> no one needs to see your eyeballs right now. Okay. They're glassy, bloodshot and yellow at the same time. I don't know what's happening. Cover them up. It looks cool. I literally brought like all my sunglasses down like before the parade. I'm like, get a pair on, get a pair on, get a pair on. But yeah. we really were. We're like, you guys, this isn't, we're actually getting to do this parade twice. Like that's insane. This is New York city. This is the best city in the world. And we've sort of captured this moment. Like, Take advantage if just for the experience, if just for a moment, you don't have to wonder like, Oh, should I be doing this? Or maybe I'm self-conscious or what are other people going to think? It's just like, just be yourself and enjoy. We, we so few times get to just very much be like unbridled joy in this incredible environment that we were in. So we were like, you guys prepare yourselves. You get to do whatever you want for the next six days. Take advantage of it. You can sleep later. I don't know when you're sleeping or when anybody sleeps, but we were prepared and ready. And we learned from 2015. I feel like a lot. 2019 was the most FOMO I have ever had as a sports fan watching you guys <laughs> yes. celebrate the World Cup. I just wanted to say Pino like hit the nail on the head with her comment about like how we can be so attractive to different types of fans because we all are so different. I think that's what makes us so attractive as a team to kind of get fans like lured in and want to be a part of what we're trying to create both on and off the field. So like she said, you know, depending on what you believe in, what, you know, issues you're fighting for, um, what platform you're using and uh, who you're connected to outside of soccer. I feel like there's a there's some player for every single fan out there. And um, I think that's what is so attractive about our team, um, both club and country. And I think that is what's going to get more people in the stands. And so that's why we feel that it's important 
to sign after games, make that connection with fans, and then also get into the community whenever we can to just to get people to come. Because we know that when they come, they're going to be attracted to at least one of us and stay connected. some of our favorite moments from off the looking glass but we could have filled three to four hours of our favorite moments Jess so that was just a small sampling and I know there are others give me one of the moments that you loved from these last couple years of making this show Kate my favorite moment was actually behind the scenes it was when you panicked because Muffet McGraw made comments about Yukon Bias and Gino Ariema that resulted in him talking about her in a press conference and ended up in a lot of different headlines of women's basketball blogs and articles. And you panic texted me because we had the clip and we wanted to post it on social, but we also were not quite prepared for the backlash that it was going to get. And I will never forget all of the uh, anxiety that went into that whole week when we were accidentally the center of the women's basketball discourse. I almost, I felt a little called out even on one of our recent episodes with the Snacks duo, Lynn Williams and Sam Ewis, because they were talking about like one of their core tenants is like never any gotcha moments with their guests. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, yeah, us too. I mean, we would never do that. We would never pull the most explosive clip from an interview and then separately put it out on different social channels. I mean, we didn't really do that with Muffet, but that was my That panic. was what the panic was about, because yeah. we didn't want to do that. But that's what, no. you know, really savvy podcasters would have done yes. without regard for the consequences. But as people who do regard the consequences, yeah, it was a, it was a panic-filled moment, for sure. For some reason, I convinced myself that, like, Muffet still said those things, but if it's buried in the middle of a podcast then people have to go search it out. If they're true listeners, they'll be able to get to the gem. But like, I didn't want to like do all that work for people and put it out on Twitter. That was my thinking there. But that is, you have pinpointed, I think, one of the most fun kind of couple weeks of the show because we then had to like record some special turnaround episodes when Gino responded to Muffet. And like, I don't like to be part of news cycles, but... It was a fun couple weeks, kind of poking fun at the ESPN beast. It was. Um, Do you have a favorite yeah. favorite memory? So, I mean, overall, my favorite memory is just working with you. Like, I just really love making this show with you. And we're actually friends offline of this show. And so no matter what happens with the show, if we ever end up making it in some other iteration, the best gift, Jess, has been our friendship. But also... <laughs> I could cry, but I won't. <laughs> but I won't. I really loved making extra extras. It just was a fun combination of writing, audio, storytelling through interviews. And one of my favorites was the pedestrianism one. Oh, like, I just loved classic. that story. Like I'm still thinking two years into making Off the Looking Glass about this dynamic story we made about a woman walking. 
I mean, that's the kind of magic we made on Off the Looking Glass. Yeah, coming to a, a movie screen near you, hopefully, the next time you will hear from us will be when we are EPing that yeah. movie after, you know, the strike <laughs> ends and everything. But okay, if you're going to cheat and be like, oh, my favorite memory is working with you, then I'm going to also give a sappy answer, which was the most fun I had working with you, Kate, was when we created a photo shoot out of furniture from your house, kind of at the last minute. <laughs> and we're like, how do we make this whimsical? Good thing you have the most whimsical house I've ever been inside of. And we made it work. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a really fun day. Not too long ago, honestly. Uh, just a few months ago, we were doing a photo shoot. But no, that was a fantastic day. And we were kind of scared about that day because we were like, there's a lot of pressure. Like, you've got a set period of time and you have to make good photos. And we had some help from Willow. Yeah. Pup. Yes. And, yeah. you know, the show, the show is hard to describe in a couple of words, right? Like, we always tried to make it, like, a little weird, a little silly, but a little mm -hmm. funny. And every now and then, hopefully, you'd hear a kernel of truth or an interview from someone that you didn't really know that well. And trying to get that into a photo shoot aesthetic was not the yes. easiest thing. <laughs> you know when the core of a lot of your shows are extra extras talking about obscure sports from the 1800s that you're gonna have a tough time right. capturing that in 2023 visual parlance. But we managed well it, said. we managed it. All right, before we get to the thank yous for who has helped us make this show, you, the listener, I mean, if there's any of your favorite memories, you can always, uh, it's not, what is it? It's not tweeting anymore. What are you, Xing now? Mm -hmm. I'm not even I mean, sure. Let's just stick with Twitter. Twitter, we're on Instagram still. On so X. let us know if you had a favorite fake ad sketch trip into the multiverse i mean damn we did a lot of cool stuff on this show we've been all over the place yes we have been to different universes and different time periods all right you know what we could probably make this a very long episode but i'm gonna cut myself off and let me start by saying just thank you for making this show for producing it for co-hosting it it's been really fun. I think we're, even years down the road, we're going to look back at this show and be really happy we made it because it, it's a lot of really cool storytelling that I hadn't been done before in women's sports. So thank you for helping make it, as well as I'll thank Nameless Numberhead because they're local here to Charleston and they're friends of mine, Henry and Mari. They were game for anything. And they brought a lot of really cool ideas to the table. The Conspiracy Theory one, which is a recent edition that was directly from their brains. So follow them, Nameless Numberhead. They do comedy shows. They're graduates of Second City in Chicago. They're just really awesome. And Ashlyn Rodriguez wrote a few scripts for us and contributed to our, our comedy endeavors. So thanks to both of them. And thank you to Anya Alvarez, who also joined in and helped us make all of the most recent iterations of the show. They all came from Anya's brain. You know, she she golfed for us, Kate. She took us on her <laughs> U.S. Women's Open golf adventure. So we will Pebble Beach. forever God damn. be grateful for her for that. Big thank you to Carl Scott for executive producing the show and, and helping brainstorm it at the very beginning and really bringing a sonic sound to the early version of Off the Looking Glass and then helping us shape it along the way as it was passed along to Joel Shupak, who has sound designed the show since the second season and all throughout this this mad run of 28 consecutive episodes that we've done. So big thank you to Joel and big thank you to all of the guests we've had. I mean, too many to name. Some heavy hitters, Kate. Like, we some have some great guests on the show. And the good news yes. is most of their interviews are evergreen. So mm -hmm. if you want to tell your friends about our show 
and they can go back and listen to it, it's all still probably going to be pretty relevant to, you know, compared to whenever we release them. All right, Jess, that's it. We're done. We're out. Or should we rabbit hole out of this into the future where we're eating a cheese plate together? Rabbit hole into an episode being like, this whole episode was a joke. We're still making... (laughs) No, that's not true. It's not true, everybody. This really is the last episode. Thanks for listening.